You're listening to the Macro Photo Show. My name is Mark Lawrence, and I am your host. And today, what we're going to be talking about is how a photo project can help you get better at your photography. And so this goes back to when I was first getting into photography. I had a friend who was a lot better at photography than I was. And so I sat him down and I was talking to him. I'm like, what can I do to get better at photography? And he said, the one thing you need to do is put a roll of film through your camera every single day. If you do that and take notes about your settings, you will improve a lot. Just because you'll have that quick turnaround, you'll get feedback you will see what you did that worked and what didn't work. So I couldn't quite afford to do that because, you know, film costs a few dollars each roll and a few dollars to process. And it just was kind of expensive for someone who was just out of high school to put a roll of film every day. I put as much as I could afford through my camera. And the more I shot, the more I improved, the more, you know, I got better. Today... You don't have that barrier of the price of a roll of film every time you want to take 20 pictures. You can go out and you can take 100 pictures for the same price that you can go out and take one picture. And plus, you don't have to manually write down all of your data. I had a a notebook that I would carry with me at that time where I would write down, okay, frame number one, I had a roll of 100 speed film and frame number one was aperture of this and it was shutter speed of that and I would just take notes and I had to be very deliberate I had to do a lot of bracketing back then just because you did not have any feedback until you got the the film processed and so the turnaround time for seeing what you did right and seeing, seeing what you did wrong was a lot slower than it is today today it's a lot quicker you take a picture you can look at the back and get a really good idea of if you got the shot correct, or if you were way off. If you take the time to make deliberate choices, then you'll be able to improve, you'll be able to see see what worked and what didn't, and make adjustments to find what does work. One of the things I found was that if you're just taking pictures for the sake of taking pictures, you just don't really improve as much because you're just out there taking pictures, not really with a direction of mind. And so I was thinking about this and I had the idea to just set up some things to do for a project that I wanted to work on. And working towards that goal, I wanted to learn how to use off-camera flash. And so I set up some projects to deliberately and meticulously learn how to do that, making changes just along the way to see how it affected the, the final result. And I learned and grew, and now I'm very comfortable with that aspect of photography. I use off-camera flash quite a bit just because it's something that I I know and I enjoy it now. For you, you can set up a project as well. Now, a lot of us, when we hear the the term photography project, we think of a year-long, drawn-out project. And that could be the case. You could have a project that lasts an entire year, or you could have one that lasts a month. You can have one that lasts a week. You could have one that lasts five years. It's your project, you know, and you're the one that gets to decide the time frame for it. So don't be intimidated by, oh, this has to be a really big project. It could be something that you set up for a weekend. It's totally up to you. Um, So basically, the steps for determining your project are pretty straightforward. First, 
you just kind of brainstorm, come up with as many, many ideas as you can and just write them down. You know, I like pen and paper or pencil and paper. Um, that's just the kind of person I am. You might prefer to just type things out in your phone or on a computer or in a spreadsheet, you know, just whatever you like to do. And then after you've come up with as many different ideas as you can, go through that and look at, you know, do you have any common themes? I mean, this is a macro photography podcast, so I'm going to be talking mostly about ideas for macro photography projects. So you're going to look for, are there any patterns? If you have several ideas that revolve around insect photography, for example, then that may be the way you want to go because it seems like there's a lot of things drawing you in that direction. Or in contrast, if there's a a lot of ideas that, you know, that take place on your kitchen table, well, then maybe you should think of projects that, you know, a project that you can do inside your home, you know, because that's kind of what's drawing you. Look for a common theme, and that might help you to, to narrow it down. You know, you can cross out the outliers that don't really keep your attention, and you just start getting rid of them. And when you get down to just a few left, it may be a little bit difficult. And if you have two or three, you're like, oh, all of these sound really cool. I really want to do all three. Then do all three. Just pick which one you want to do first, and then do another one, and then do another one. You know, just you don't have to never do the others. Just pick one, you know, what what you want to work on first. And then, you know, as far as picking one, you you want to pick a a timeline that works for you. Like I was saying, it doesn't have to be an entire year. You can say, okay, for the summer, because that's when the insects are plentiful and out and about, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get as many pictures of praying mantises as I can because... I just really like praying mantises because they're just really cool. Or you can say, you know, I live by this pond and there's this dock on the pond. And down there, I've been down there and there's these really interesting snails that have these shells that are just these crazy colors. And your project might be to go down and basically document these really cool snails. And in doing so, you can go different times of the day different weather conditions. Um, You could take different lights with you. You could use a flash one time you go down. You could use constant lights one time you go down. You can use, uh, who knows, maybe take some ultraviolet lights, see if they react to those. I don't know. And you can try all kinds of different things as you're going down there to to visit these snails that live on this dock in this pond. You know, it's whatever's going to interest you and the timeline that's going to work for that particular project. Okay, so once you've picked what it is you want to do and you've established a timeline of when you want to do it, I would get out whatever you use for a calendar, whether it's your phone or a physical calendar, and write it down and block out some time so that you know, hey, on Friday next week, I'm planning to go out in the woods and look for mushrooms. Because my project revolves around going to the woods and looking for mushrooms or, or whatever it happens to be. And, and just schedule some time, say, uh, every other Wednesday or every third day or on the full moon or, you know, what, however your project kind of aligns itself with time is what you want to just kind of schedule out. And then the fourth part about this project selection pro- process, 
I think, is decide ahead of time if you want this to be a publicly known project or if you wanted to keep it private. Because deciding ahead of time really helps with that dilemma of, oh, do I put this on my social media or do I not put this on my social media? If you've already decided ahead of time, you know what, this is just for my personal development, not something that I want to really share then you don't feel pressure to post it or to let other people know. And on the other hand, you know, if you want this to be a publicly known thing because you have people who will support you and encourage you, then, you know, that's a decision as well. And you should follow up with whatever decision you decide to do. And then the last thing is just get out and take action. And so that's kind of the the basic steps for coming up with your idea. Okay, so now that I've kind of outlined the process of going through and picking a a project, I'm going to give you a few tips on how to narrow it down. First, remember who it's for. This project is for you. Project's not for me. It's not for your best friend, your parents, your classmates. It's not for people on social media. It's for you. And so just keep that in mind. You don't have to impress anybody else because this is a personal project. And so it should push you to improve. It should, the project that I told you about earlier, where I wanted to improve it off camera flash, that was something for me that had a specific goal in mind. And that's, that's something that will really help you in this project. Because if you see an end, you know, something you're trying to do, I think you'll be more likely to follow through with it. You should make it something specific because that gives you a lot more focus. Because if you you just want say, for my project, I want to improve it on off-camera flash. That's very vague. You know, I I set it up where I was taking pictures of things on my kitchen table to start with, you know, so I could learn and I could adjust them and see how it reacted and, and things like that. And I set some parameters for myself. And then I moved it to a larger location and larger and, and got more involved with it. And that's kind of what you you can do, you know, be very specific of what it is you want to achieve with your project and then set up some specific parameters for that. So this should be something that also that you have realistic access to. If you have an unlimited budget and you can just fly somewhere in the world, say, you know what, for my project, I want to go take pictures of the monkeys that live in the hot springs in Japan. Well, you know, throw some money my way because I don't have an unlimited budget. <laughs> if you pick some place that is local to you and something that is easily accessible to you, then you're going to have a lot easier time to go out and do your project. If you pick something that's within 100 miles of your house, I mean, that's a pretty large area and you may or may not have the determination to keep going to a location to do a specific type of a shoot. I mean, if you are going to do something with astrophotography, for example, and you have to drive three hours to get to a dark site where you can take pictures of the Milky Way, I mean, that's that's a commitment. When that time comes in the lunar cycle, when you can get the right pictures, you may be ready to go or you may be dragging your feet because you've been totally bogged down at work and you just don't feel like it. But if you pick something that is closer to home and say five miles from your house and you say, I'm going to go every Friday to my local woods and try to take pictures of these flowers that I know are growing in this particular meadow that usually have pollinators there. And so you're going to go out and you're going to get pictures of bees and and other things that are, are pollinating these flowers. You know, that's a lot more accessible. That's a lot more doable. So keep that in mind. Do you have realistic access to 
to be able to do this project. And then also pick something that's going to keep you interested, something that has enough variety to it. You're not going to get bored because if you just say every day I will go to the same spot and take a picture of the same thing just to document the daily change. Some people, that will be a really interesting project to be able to see the change from day to day and put it into a time lapse or something like that. And that would really hold some people's attention. Other people would be bored out of their mind with that project. And so tailor it to your interest level, to your level of being able to stay with something. You know you. I don't know you. I can't say whether that project would be good for you or not. Make sure that it has enough elements that will keep you interested. A really good thing to do is find an accountability buddy, also known as a photo buddy. Somebody who can go out and do this with you will help you to be a lot more likely to succeed. If you need to get up early in the morning to go take pictures of wild mushrooms before the sun comes up and makes them wither, well, if you get up and you're just kind of tired and and groggy and uh, I really want to go back to bed, you might just go back to bed. But if you know that your friend is going to be there to pick you up or you're supposed to pick your friend up at six o'clock in the morning or five o'clock in the morning or whatever time you've arranged to meet, you're a lot more likely to be ready because you don't want to be the one who let the other person down. And it's going to work for your friend as well. They're going to be a lot more committed and likely to go out and do this because they don't want to let you down. And so having that accountability partner, it really is helpful. So I really like to know your input on this. Do you like this idea? Did I leave any steps out in, in selecting a good project? Let me know. Head on over to our website, macrophotoshow.com, and leave a, a comment. on. There's a comment form right there on the main page where you can just send it to me, or you can join our Facebook group, the Macro Show Facebook group. There is a question that you have to answer when you log in and and request to join the group. And that's just, who is the host? And that's my name, Mark Lawrence. You can either use my full name or just Mark. And that's just to keep the spammers and the bots out. I'd really like to hear about your ideas for photo projects and what you're going to do, because I think that would be really, really great. And so speaking of photo projects, I'll just throw out a few ideas here. And of course, these are all macro related. So you could take pictures of the plants around your house, you know, maybe out in your, your garden or your yard or wherever. Most of us have some type of plants around our house. And so that's something you really have a lot of easy access to. And as far as other things around your house, you have just common household items. Some of these things are very mundane and boring until you enlarge them to several times their actual size through a macro lens. And then they these textures and things just become interesting. In fact, you could narrow it down to just items from one room. I love taking pictures of things in my kitchen. I like to raid my spice cabinet all the time because just looking at a peppercorn, they have so much texture and so much personality to them. I mean, I, I never really paid that much attention to them until I went to take some pictures of them. And they are really interesting because every single one of them is unique. Um, you know, just common everyday item that I totally ignored. The other idea is bubbles. You know, you can take pictures of bubbles with lighting inside your house. This time of year, it's winter where I live. 
you could go outside and take pictures of freezing bubbles with ice crystals forming on them. There's a lot of things, a lot of different things you can do with bubbles. You can add glycerin to them. I know some people have tried to add different colored dyes to them. And, and you can have a lot of uh, interesting interaction with those. You could try to focus on things that will cause reflections or things that will cause refractions and the difference between the two of those. You could get out your kid's toys. My son has, seems like, a hundred of these little Lego minifigures, and sometimes I like to get those out, kind of pose them in different, you know, like they're doing a, a scene from a movie and, and take pictures of them. And that's something that my son actually likes to do with me as well because it's, it's his toys and it's kind of fun for him. Another project for this time of year is to go out and, and try to take pictures of snowflakes. You know, they can be really small, but through a, a high magnification macro lens, you can get some really interesting pictures of, of snowflakes. I know Don Kamarechka is very well known for his amazing pictures of snowflakes that he takes uh, just at his house up there in Canada. And they're really interesting and very challenging to get good snowflake pictures. Um, during different times of the year, you, you could have a project to go out and take pictures of insects. You could say, you know, I just want to take pictures of pill bugs, just the little potato bug things, you know, or ladybugs or praying mantises or jumping spiders, you know, just whatever it is that you interests you that's just creeping and crawling around and having those enlarged is just very unique. You know, people don't normally see them that way. Uh, or you could go into your local woods and you can find mushrooms or other fungi and take pictures of them. And they are re really interesting as well. There's a very easy project a lot of people do when they first get into macro photography. Easy, set it up on your, your kitchen table. That's uh, just taking a, a baking dish of some type, putting some water in it, and then putting a little bit of vegetable oil on top and letting that float around and just getting to know how a macro lens works. You're in a nice controlled environment. You can shine colored lights on it to give different lighting textures, or you can put colored papers or wrapping paper underneath and have different colors and textures and stuff refract through those little drops of oil. They can become lenticular and really show the texture of what's underneath the baking dish rather than just the colors that are reflecting in the water. There's there's a lot of things that you can learn with picking any of these things. Then you can put different parameters onto these things. You can say, well, I'm going to do this subject, but I'm only going to use my 105 millimeter macro lens, or I'm only going to use the kit lens that came with my camera with extension tubes. One other thing that you should remember is there's a difference between a photography project and a photography challenge. Now, there's nothing wrong with the photography challenge. You know, the, there's a lot of popular ones out there like the 365-day photo challenges. Um, you know, there's the A to Z challenge. You know, all kinds of challenges that people do. But that is outwardly focused. You're trying to meet the parameters of somebody else's challenge that they have issued. Whereas a photo project is focused on helping you to achieve a goal, to learn a technique, or to learn how to use a piece of equipment, or to improve your portfolio. You know, there are some real benefits to having a, a photo project. One of them is your portfolio is going to become a lot more consistent. You know, you think of these, 
photographers that you look up to and admire. And when you look at their body of work, you look at their portfolio, it's very consistent. I know that my portfolio could be a lot more consistent. You know, as an amateur hobbyist photographer, I haven't put enough time into creating a consistent portfolio. But with a project like this, you will end up getting a lot more consistent with your images. You'll develop a style. And so that's one of the real benefits of, of a photo project is just you'll become a lot more consistent in what you do. Another real benefit is when you want to go out and take pictures, if you have a project that you have set up, you're not going to have to think, well, do I want to go over there and take pictures or do I want to go to the park and take pictures or whatever? Because you'll be like, well, hey, I'm working on this project. I know where I want to go take pictures because I of the project I'm working on. It really helps to alleviate a lot of that decision-making. So like I said before, I really would love to hear what kind of project you guys are working on. And one of the ways that you can do that is you can leave me a voicemail. Just call me at 435-277-0263. Leave me a message. It's a Google voice number, so it doesn't ring on my phone. But leave me a message, and I would love to, to know what it is. I might even included in the next podcast. Come over to the website. I've got articles on this topic over there already. Macrophotoshow.com. And if you've liked what you've heard here, subscribe in your favorite podcast player. And if you wouldn't mind, I would really love it if you would give me feedback on how I'm doing. This is the very first episode that I've ever done. Um, very first podcast I've ever recorded. So if you could leave a, a review... I would love it if it was a five-star review, but an honest review is what I want. And give me some feedback on how I can improve. And then also, if you have specific topics that you would like to learn about, that would be a great thing to, to leave in the Facebook group or in a voicemail or over on the the forum on the website. Those are all great things I would love to hear from you and know what you, you want to hear in, in a macro photography-centered podcast. Um, I do have several topics lined up, so if I don't get any requests, I'm just going to go ahead with my list. But if I get requests, I'll just bump it up to the front of the list. So I really hope that you like this episode, and I look forward to putting up a, a podcast every week. I guess I should introduce myself a little bit. Like I said, my name is Mark Lawrence. I am a, during the day, I'm an accountant. And I just, I'm a hobbyist, um, you know, very passionate hobbyist photographer. I really enjoy it. And I've been doing photography for, oh gosh, like 30 years just as a, as a hobby. And, you know, something I really enjoy. And so I, I've learned a lot of things over the years. And I just really want to share those things with, with other people out there. Yeah, I hope you really liked it. And I look forward to talking to you in another seven days. Goodbye.